Hello, and welcome back to the North Georgia Blue Podcast, produced and distributed by the Fannin County Democratic Party. I'm your host, Meryl Clark, and we're getting into some good trouble today with our guest, Shalia Edwards, running for Georgia Public Service Commission. Welcome to the show. We're so happy you're here. Thank you so much for the invitation. And before we start, I want to give a shout out to the Fannin County Democratic Party, all you guys do in your community to make sure that the public is aware of what's going on. So thank you so much for uh, allowing me to be here. Well, you're welcome. And thank you for all you do as well. Let's let our listeners know a little bit about you. Shalia is running for the Georgia Public Service Commission or PSC. She is a small business owner and has worked in government, corporate America, and her community on issues that taught her the value of bringing stakeholders together for the common good. As a small business owner, she understands the tough but thoughtful business decisions that must be made for the benefit of all. Her vast experience will allow her to interface effectively with community leaders, governments, and other stakeholders on issues that matter to working families, such as lowering electricity bills, building clean energy, and working to expand rural access to broadband internet. And thank you for that, because we'll be discussing that in more detail coming up here. Prior to becoming a successful entrepreneur, Shalia held several public and private sector positions and spent several years with engineering giant Lockheed Martin, working in the internal communications department on the space shuttle program at Kennedy Space Station. Oh my, that is so impressive. She has also advocated on issues that impact the quality of life for families and seniors in her community, including advocating for affordable housing, economic development, oversight, and enforcement over absentee apartment landlords and stoppage of a waste facility for from illegally operating within the community. Oh my, you're a busy lady. <laughs> you're such a busy woman. Yeah. Thank you for your candidacy. It means the world to us, especially with everything going on now and considering that the PSC is currently Republican-led and it shows yes. because they're in the pockets of Georgia Power. We'll talk about that as well. But can you provide our listeners a brief summary of the PSC and what they do? Well, the PSC is interesting. I know what they're supposed supposed to do. <laughs> but what they're currently doing is being a rubber stamp for Georgia Power and its executives and other organizations that are overcharging Georgians when it comes to its utilities. They're supposed to be that entity that provides oversight and allows these rates to be moderated in such a way that it's not overbearing to the consumers, the ratepayers. And so I know what the organization is supposed to be doing currently is not serving in that role. And it's unfortunate because at this point in time in our country, when inflation is eating up almost every dollar you make, having to turn around and pay exhausted utilities for people like Georgia Power or any of the other utility companies in the state, it's not fair to the citizens. It's not fair to families. It's not fair to working parents trying to keep food on the table and a roof over their heads and clothes on the backs of their children. It's simply not fair. And I think that three years ago, Georgia Power asked for a rate increase and got about a billion dollars. And now they're back asking for another billion and a half. And who gets to pay that? You, me, and the rest of the ratepayers here in the state of Georgia. It's simply not fair. 
it's extremely unfair. And of course, we know that the Republicans are basically shills for big business. So that has to change. You've touched on this. And my next question is, we pay some of the highest utility bills in the country. Natural gas and electricity combined, we have the fourth highest rates in the country with those combined. And as you said, Georgians are struggling. So why do you suppose the PSC, other than the fact that they're in it for big business, why do you suppose that they've never given taxpayers a break until now? It boggles my mind. We're invisible to them. They don't see us. And when you're only making decisions that impact people at the very top, you don't see what the hurt is for the people at the very bottom or in the middle. So we're invisible to these folks. And until they get changed on the Public Service Commission, we're going to continue to be invisible. So once I'm elected, I plan to address these issues amongst the other people on that commission and in the community to make sure that we're driving this commission to serving its full purpose, which is service to people, not businesses. And yet they keep getting reelected. By their base and their bases actively working against their own self-interest. So how do you combat that perception that the PSC is serving the people when clearly they are not? Well, I would ask everybody to look at their own utility bills and then answer that question. Mm-hmm. I live alone. I've got my own business. I can pay my utility bills, but you know, I just recently got a bill for $600. It's impossible for me to have burnt that much utilities in one month, but there goes my bill. So what happens with a family of four? What does their bill look like? And how do they turn around and pay that bill? So yeah, we've got a lot of work to do and we've got to roll up our sleeves and force people to look at what's going on in our communities, in our state. We have to hold elected officials accountable. We have to hold decision makers accountable and we have to hold the PSC accountable to the rate payers that they're supposed to be serving. Absolutely. And hopefully we'll be able to do that moving forward. So the PSC has also neglected to take climate change or our current climate crisis seriously. Tell us about solar panels, rooftop solar, what Georgia Power has done to make that available or has not done as it goes, and how the PSC can help reduce overall rates for solar and wind energy. Well, currently the program that they have in place is a joke. You know, Georgia has over 10 million people in our state, but you create a program that only allows 5,000 participants. And the Public Service Commission just recently voted not to increase that number. And the person that I'm running against was one of the main folks that voted no. So until we get people on that commission that care about these issues, we're not going to get any changes. I saw some things recently where they said our world is running out of time and we don't do the things that we need to do now to stop the climate change, to reverse some of the things that are happening to our country, our state, our world. I mean, this goes beyond our borders. And so we all have to be doing something to make a difference and creating a solar program that's beneficial to the majority of the people in the state of Georgia, it's not a hard thing to do. It's not a hard ask, but it's a hard ask if you're looking out for the big guys over at Georgia Power, or you're looking out for the other executives in the things that they want versus the things that the ratepayers of Georgia want. That's when it becomes hard, but it's not a hard thing to do. You have the coal ash situation where you have these mounds of ash just sitting there. And it's seeping into the ground, it's seeping into the water, it's in the air, and nobody's doing anything about it. We need to roll up our sleeves and go to work on some of these things and just stop the rubber stamping of these issues that are negatively impacting us and our quality of life. 
So how would you go about changing the scenario to ensure that green, clean energies are available for everyone? Well, I think the first thing is being vocal about it. I think the problem that we have now is because a lot of the decisions are either made behind closed doors or they come into a meeting already with the decision made and pretending like they're having a true discussion about something when they already know what the outcome is. I think the one thing that I've learned through my course of working in business and government is that you find the things that you can agree upon. And I can't imagine why they would not agree that expanding the solar program is beneficial to everyone in our state. And looking at wind and trying to figure out how to make these things possible so that we're helping to reduce the footprint for consumers, but also trying to do the things that we can do to help Mother Earth. And of course, they're not expanding it because it would hurt their bottom line, correct? Absolutely. There's no justifiable reason for them to have a program with 5,000 slots with a state that has 10 million people in it. That is, on its face, someone that's not really serious about this. They only check the box in order to be able to say they have a program, but it's not a robust program. It's not a program meant to do anything except to check a box. Right, exactly. Can you also touch on Plant Vogel? and the serious cost overruns of billions of dollars that Georgia Power is forcing taxpayers to foot the bill, basically. Can you touch on that as well? Yeah. I mean, it's almost every day you hear some story about Plant Vogel in the news. And the most recent ones are the partners in this project suing each other because they're upset about the cost overrun. They're upset about the delays. I know there's an argument that's being made by some that providing jobs, it's doing all these things to provide economic stimulus for that area. But I think you have to look at the long-term effects of those types of things and see what those are and how they impact people. You know, at this point in time, we're stuck. Plant Vogel's not going anywhere. So what we have to do is ensure that they are living up to their responsibilities, that they're being good partners to the community, and that they're not doing anything that's going to hurt us in the long run. But we can't be sure of that right now with Republicans leading the commissions. Exactly. But you have to have proper oversight. Hopefully that oversight goes beyond the local and state government and the federal government gets involved. But again, you hear all the time about things that happen and then you find out months, years later. And it's like, why didn't we find out about these things? in real time. Well, we need to know what's going on with Plant Vogel in real time. We don't need to find out or read about it a year later after they've had some type of situation that's impactful to people or impactful to our earth. We need to know about those things and we need to hold them accountable. They need to be monitored. They need to be, all of the agencies that have oversight needs to regularly be, be looking at that situation. We talked about me working at the Kennedy Space Center. I went to work right after Challenger blew up. And one of the things that they found out once they did their investigation was there was no oversight. People were doing things. They'd come in on the first shift and torque it this way and come on the second shift and torque it that way. And the third shift, they might not torque it at all. So we were responsible for creating documents that showed every piece of work that went on. And it was only after we created documents for everything. If you lifted up a screwdriver, we had to have a document, something that said the engineer got the screwdriver. But that was the only way we were able to return to flight. And so the same application has to happen with Plant Vogel. There has to be oversight before something happens, not afterwards. And it seems that something disastrous or catastrophic always has to happen before change is made. So it would be nice if we could be proactive rather than reactive. Yes, it's frightening to think about it. But again, if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, if they're functioning the way they're supposed to be functioning, if there's proper oversight there, let's figure out how to make the situation work. But 
you know, at this point in time, it's not going anywhere. And we can be as upset as we want to about it. But unfortunately, the decisions were being made to allow that to go forward. They weren't listening to you or me or anyone else. They had made their minds up and made their decisions. And so we are where we are. We have to figure out how to make that situation work as best possible and to avoid anything disastrous happening in our state. I wanted to also touch on struggling Georgia farmers and how they've been unable to recoup lost revenue. Can you elaborate on that situation for our farmers? Yes, absolutely. They need our help as well. There's things that we can be doing to help farmers, not just in South Georgia, but all around the state. And when it comes to solar power, when it comes to wind power, when it comes to helping to reduce some of their expenses so that they can concentrate on the things that they're supposed to be doing in terms of growing the food that feeds our state and surrounding areas, instead of worrying about whether they have the funds to pay these outlandish utility bills. So turning our attention to rural Georgians, this is a subject near and dear to my heart because I live in rural Georgia here in the 9th Congressional District in Blue Ridge. And our internet is basically a step above dial-up. And of course, we don't have any broadband internet. And the PSC has purview and has done little to nothing to ensure that rural communities, especially our kids, have the access they need to succeed. How would you work to ensure that all Georgians have access to broadband internet? I appreciate the question because my brother and his family lives in Albany. And so the folks who are cut off from being able to access broadband or having that in their community has been dealt a disservice. And it's almost intentionally they want them to stay cut off from everything else. And that's not fair. I think there's money that's come into the state from the federal government. There's money that the state has collected, overage that they've collected. They can turn around and put whatever they want to in our state if they have the mindset to do it. And us being here in 2022 and still talking about parts of our state not having broadband is insulting. The decision makers, our elected officials, should have led that charge a long time ago. And you notice that it's part of the talking points now for folks when they want to get elected. But what were you doing when four years ago, when you first got elected or three years ago or two years ago? So don't wait until the next election cycle and say that broadband is important to you because it really isn't. We need to turn around and put the mechanisms in place to go ahead and fund this from one end of the state to the other. And there shouldn't be any more excuses about that. And we should work with the utility companies to get that done. And again, if we don't have enough federal funding, there's monies that are out there to help us. Mm -hmm. I think you said earlier that I worked in local, state, and federal government. I was David Scott's first district director when he went to Congress. I worked in local government. I worked in state government. I know that there's monies that are out there, but you just have to have the will to go out there and try to find it and have the conversations and do the due diligence to bring that to our state instead of just closing the book on it and saying it's it's a dead issue. Why do you suppose Republicans don't want rural Georgians or not just the kids, but small businesses everywhere? Why do you suppose they're making it so difficult for them to succeed? Well, I think it's by design. Mm -hmm. It's just like anything else. If you teach somebody how to read, you know, they're going to go out and and discover the rest of the world. If you give them broadband, they're going to figure out the other things that are going on in the state and probably will not like what's going on. And do something about it. So there's an intent there to keep people in the dark, literally, when it comes to broadband, because there's no other excuse. There is no other reasoning that can be provided for not having that done in year 2022. That should have already been done. 
Sure. And if they can keep their base ignorant, as ignorant as possible, it helps them because... Well, there's a saying, keep them barefoot and pregnant, you can control them. And it's all about control. They're looking to try to control that situation as best possible. And it's really important for the people in rural Georgia to understand that. When I decided to run for public service commission, and I started telling people about PSC, and they were like, well, what is that? And it's unfortunate that they don't know. And I'm talking to intelligent people. I'm talking to people who are college graduates. Is that something that was in this county or that? No, it's the whole state. It impacts you and your family. It impacts every household, every rooftop. So I've had to not just run a campaign, but also spend a lot of time educating the public as to what the PSC is and what it does and how it impacts them and their families. And so they don't want to talk about the Public Service Commission. They don't want to talk about Georgia Power. They don't want to talk about these things because it doesn't put them in the best light. You know, recently, I mean, I think even this morning, I looked on the news and there was Georgia Power with their bright and fancy commercial. And I know what it is. It's a commercial before you turn around and take this vote on the radio. Their commercial running, trying to convince the public that they're doing all of these wonderful things when they're really not. If you look at the news, maybe a week or two ago, they reported their quarterly earnings, which was over a billion dollars. So they don't want the public to line up all the dots because that would mean they become smart and they decide that they don't want these people there making decisions for them because they're not making decisions for them. They're making decisions for the utility companies or the executives or anybody else. Well, we appreciate your education campaign in this regard, because certainly the PSC affects everyone, everyone in the state. So everyone should be aware of the current lack of transparency and oversight. And speaking of that, how would you ensure transparency and oversight on the commission, which it does not have now? Once I'm elected, I'll get a vote and a voice. And I won't be the person saying yes to behind door meetings or behind door conversations. I'm going to be the person and shining a light on the issues and making sure the issues are discussed out front and before the people and making sure that everyone knows what the conversations are. And again, I point to being able to have a conversation outside of the presence of consumers, Georgians, ratepayers, and then coming into a room and pretending like that's the first time you've discussed that issue. No, you know, you can kind of tell that it's already been discussed and, already, you know, the decision has already been made. They're just going through the mechanics now. They have to listen to you. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the situation coming up with this rate increase in a few weeks. How is that decision going to be made? What decisions are the members of the PSC going to make this time? What is the reasoning and reckoning for them giving Georgia Power another billion and a half dollars from ratepayers and consumers who are struggling with all the things that are going on now? How are they going to explain it? Mm, interesting. They always seem to find a way. Also, I think they like flying under the radar as well. So once again, a lot of folks, as you stated, don't know about them. I also wanted to ask you about the recent court ruling regarding the PSC. Now, we know Republicans have done everything in their power to try to keep you and Patty Durand, the other Democrat, from even being able to run for the position. And now there's been a recent court ruling, which is actually a good ruling, but stating that ballots cannot go out for November. And of course, the state is appealing. Tell us a little bit about that and your thoughts. Well, I think that first and foremost, I support the Voting Rights Act and Historically, that's been a situation that has not been respected. Autocratic practices have been in place in our state for years, and it's the basis behind 
why somebody of color has been unable to be elected to the Public Service Commission. And that should be a blaring issue for everyone involved. I support what the court is doing enforcing this issue. And whether I run in November or I run next year, I'm running. I'm the Democratic nominee for Public Service Commission. And I'm taking my grassroots message to the people of Georgia, and it's resonating with them. And having come out of a three-person race without a runoff says a whole lot. It says that people are listening. It says that people are paying attention. And it says that people want change. And I'm prepared to bring that change to the Public Service Commission. It is astounding to me that there are no people of color (laughs) on the commission. Well, you know, the governor appointed someone last year. But I mean, I think even with that, you look at the mechanics behind that and someone gets elected, but they don't ever come out of office. They leave in the middle of their term and get appointed to something else around the state. And then the governor gets to put somebody else to finish up their term, and then they run as an incumbent. And a lot of times voters are confused. They don't always go into the polls knowing who every candidate is, especially down ballot. So when you see somebody with an I next to their name, you think, well, this must be a good guy because they're running again. But it's not always that situation. Sometimes that I means that they're the bad guy. And I think in this situation, we're going to show the, the voting public why they shouldn't be voting for the I, because the I is not serving the purpose it's supposed to be serving for the people of our community in our our state. Well, that's a good reminder as well for our listeners to vote up and down, all the way down the ballot, because every statewide position, every local, county, regional position counts and matters and affects their lives. So yes, thank you for that reminder. And I also appreciate your touching on the court cases. I do believe that litigation will continue well beyond November. So I think it's probably too late to remove the ballot at any rate. So we will be happy to vote for you and for Patty Durand. It's an interesting situation to be in, but as I said, these things have to be corrected. And I'm more than happy to step forward and say I support that situation 110% because as you said, there's a reason why folks are not able to be elected and the judge saw that. And he spoke about it and he ruled on it. So let's figure out how to move forward and course correct and put the right things in place so that everybody has an opportunity. Everybody has a chance. Right. But they have to vote for the right people in order for that to happen. So and again, voting for their self-interest versus voting against their self-interest, which they consistently seem to do. So it is distressing. I don't think it's purposeful. I think it's because, again, they have to be educated about it. And Mm -hmm. when you have some folks who, and I mean, I've been guilty of it, you know, getting a ballot and, well, I don't know these people towards the end. And it's really a responsibility everybody should take on to find out who those people are at the bottom of the ballots because they make decisions that impact our lives just like the people at the top. I think it would be helpful if we went back to teaching civics in our public school systems. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So if someone wants to get involved with your campaign, volunteer or donate, where would you send them? Well, you can go to my website, electshelia.com or send me an email at shelia at electshelia.com. We're looking for volunteers. We're looking for contributions. We're looking for endorsements. We're looking for anyone who wants to be a part of a grassroots effort to make changes come about on the Public Service Commission. And our tent is big enough for everybody to be under it. And we've got some good people working with us now and good folks who worked with us during the primary. And a lot of folks were wondering whether I was going to stop my campaign. The answer is absolutely not. We're running full steam ahead. And our plan is to be there whenever a decision is made. 
to represent the people of Georgia as a Democratic nominee for the Public Service Commission. Well, thank you so much for that. And I apologize. I do believe I mispronounced your name in the beginning. So, Shelia, correct? Yeah. Okay, great. I answer to anything. Uh, Exactly. And I have the same issue. So we definitely share that in common. I don't even try to correct folks because I know they're not being malicious with it. I blame my parents. (laughs) There you go. Me too. That's always been my story. And finally, and I ask all my guests this question, you've listened to a few podcasts, so you're probably aware of this. Tell us a fun fact about yourself, something interesting and fun about you that our listeners may want to know. Well, because so many ugly things have been in the news lately, you know, the shooting in Texas with the children and the war over in Ukraine and just the the country's on fire from one end of the country to the other. And it's almost like when I shut my computer down, there's so many things on TV that you could watch. My go-to show that calms me down, that brings me zen, is Golden Girls. Oh, I love the Golden Girls. And I can watch them over and over and over again, and it never gets boring to me. It takes you out of your space and puts you wherever those ladies are, and you're just having a time. And just that's my go-to. Golden Girls, call me down to get me back to center. That's what I turn around and I watch. Well, that's wonderful. And goodness knows we all need (laughs) some of that. So, well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing more about your critical work and candidacy to support democratic ideals and policy. I'm Meryl Clark. And on behalf of our team, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to the North Georgia Blue podcast. Join us next time when we chat with Janice Laws Robinson, running for Georgia Insurance Commissioner. To learn more about us and the work that we're doing, visit us online at FannonCountyGeorgiaDemocrats.com. Share the North Georgia Blue podcast with your friends and family. Be sure to subscribe and follow. And if you enjoy our podcast, be a founding patron and friend of the show at North georgiabluepodcast.com slash patron with three different giving levels to choose from offering cool swag recognition on the show and website and valuable gift cards to help us continue getting into more good trouble.